Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles as we go into the Word of God. And we're going to study something pretty powerful. I'm pretty excited about this one. Guys, I also want to say um, I thank you so much for being patient with me. Um, as there's been quite a delay on the next Bible studies. Um, a lot has been going on, and so uh, I've had to put some delays on. But of course, I want to make sure that the messages um, are definitely correct. So I do take my time with them. I also want to encourage you to um, support me by joining Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash L Winston. That way you can support me and you can also get access to content that you won't get anywhere else on the web. And what's wonderful about that is um, you can support and you will get a gift and uh, everyone who joins gets a gift. Um, also, guys, you can support me monthly at PayPal. It's paypal.me forward slash Leela Winston. It's L-E-L-A-W-I-N-S-T-O-N. So that's one way that you can support. So thanks so much for that, guys. If you are supporting me and you can support directly at Anchor FM. And if you listen to this on um, Patreon, you can, I'm sorry, not Patreon. If you listen to this on um, Spotify, you can also do it that way too. Go to um, Anchor FM and support directly. So I want to get on to the Bible study. This is really an interesting Bible study I just find absolutely fascinating. And, you know, I'm speaking from firsthand experience. So um, as they say, I can testify. But I want you to grab your Bible. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 9. A lot of people don't associate this uh, verse, I'm sorry, this chapter with faith. But I really think it is. So let's go ahead and look at Acts chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecute you me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he, and he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, that he might receive sight. 
Then Ananias answered the Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus, that appeared to you in the way as you came, has sent me, that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight immediately, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Now, I think that was a really interesting read, um, but there's a lot here for us to glean from this. And I know this seems like the basic story of Saul, you know, coming to the Lord, but I think there's something very powerful in there that we can all learn from. And I want to point us to Acts chapter 9, verse 9. I'm going to read it. It says, and he was there and he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. So I think it's important for us when we're looking at this story to understand what it means. And sometimes God blinds you in a situation where you may need direction. He blinds you from all options and you don't know what to do. And so in times of blind perplexity, I think those are God's moments to direct you by faith and not by sight. And I think sometimes we overlook that fact because we're so busy trying to find the answer, find out what our next step is and what to do. And I know we're in uncertain times right now um, with all that is going on in the world, wherever you may be in the world, you may too be, you know, looking for answers. I want to also bring you to this idea of the ostrich. Now, I know you're thinking, why am I talking about the ostrich when it comes to faith? I want to point you to Job chapter 39, verse 14 to 19. There's a great little story there that talks about how the ostrich uh, hides its eggs in the sand. And it does so with such complete ignorance, not knowing that people could step on the eggs and actually break them. And I'm just going to read Job 39:17 because we ask ourselves if, you know, the ostrich is putting its eggs in the sand and it doesn't know that you know, someone could stand on them. Why does it do that? And I'm going to read it now. It says, because God has deprived her of wisdom, neither has he imparted to her understanding. I think that's really powerful to understand that it says God deprived her of wisdom and understanding. And I think sometimes in situations where we're trying to figure out what is the next step, what do we do next? A lot of times we think that, you know, God is going to give us the information immediately. And could it be possibly that God has deprived you of the answer, deprived you of understanding or the knowledge to know? I know, you know, this is an uncomfortable thing to sort of postulate and to think about, but I want you to do it because I want you to open your mind to the possibility that God is trying to accomplish something a bit bigger than what you think is being accomplished in your own life. So let's go back to uh, Acts chapter 9. It says, And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat or drink. And we'll read on till 10. It says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. 
And I want to point out that it was during this time of physical blindness, those three days of physical blindness, that Saul actually got a vision. Now, we're, it doesn't say specifically that he did. We only learn that through the message of what's going on with Ananias. But, you know, um, the Lord is specifically saying that, you know, Paul had this vision. And sometimes God needs us to cease or to stop our own outer vision so that we can sense his inner vision. And, you know, he was blind in his eyes, but it was during this time that he actually had sight in his spirit. And sometimes when we're going through things where we don't really know what's going on, we're not really sure what to do next, is when, you know, we are being developed to be able to see in the, the inner sight or that inner vision that we need that's going to give us the answer. Because remember, the answer is not necessarily what you can see. It's truth, you know that's really the answer the answer always is truth so that is why i really encourage people no matter what it is no matter what's going on to really hold on to truth because that's really your north star let's look at galatians chapter 5 verse 25 it says if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit so it's telling us right now that we live in the spirit and that we have to walk in the spirit and sometimes i don't think we understand what that means i know sometimes Many times I have not understood what that meant. Okay, so I'm living in the spirit. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. But what does it mean to walk in the spirit? It means a manner of life. It means to make your choices based on it. And if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, we've all read that before, but that's really a pretty bold thing to say. Because if I turn the lights out right now and told you to walk to the, the nearest grocery store, you'd probably not want to do it. If I blindfolded you and told you just, you know, walk to the nearest store, you probably wouldn't do it because there's so much danger. You don't have the faith to know that you know when to turn the corner and when to cross the street. And yet, the Bible is telling us that we're not walking by sight. And the truth of the matter is, every day of our lives, we walk by sight, okay? I'm not even going to, you know, um, I'm just going to be honest. We all walk by sight. That's just what we do as human beings, if you have your vision. So that means about 99.9% .9 of people who are alive are walking by sight and so we are all accustomed to walking by sight we all understand what it means to walk by sight so when God asks us to walk by faith that's a pretty tall order when you really think about it so Saul's dependence on his own sight just like ours was so strong that God had to take away his natural sight so that he could be still enough to depend on his spiritual inner sight. And sometimes that's what we really have to do, is take some time so that we can get back to that inner vision, that inner sight, that faith sight. Um, and so to hear what Christ was saying, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that to see a new way, um, to see by godly vision and through faith and not the physical and not the rational side. Am I telling you to throw away from away rationale or logic? No, I'm, <laughs> I don't think that at all. I use logic and rationale quite often. Um, I think that's a part of life and you're not gonna escape it. But there is a part of faith that goes beyond that. And we all understand that there's something of a third wheel, you know, that we all live upon. It's those things we cannot understand, those things we cannot explain. And somewhere in between there is faith. It is believing. And our faith lies in Christ, not in just things. So Paul was a man of power. 
you know and when we talk about our faith where our faith lies a lot of times we put our faith in the wrong things like our connections like you know our reputation um, like the m amount of money we have in our pockets, our bank accounts, the people we know, that is where we put our faith in, our nationality, and that's really not where it should actually be. And Paul was actually a man of prowess, you know, he understood power and he understood authority, and that is why in the verse he seeks papers from the high priests for jurisdiction in Damascus. You know, he understands that chain of command. But God had to show him a different kind of power and a different authority by which he had to live. And that was in the spirit. And I think, you know, as we grow as believers, we have to lean more toward the spirit and understand that power a little bit better. And that really is a difficult thing to do, especially when all of your life you've been trained to live by sight, live by the things that you knew that you could do or that you could accomplish. So we're going to look at um, Zechariah chapter 4 and 6. I think this is going to give us some insight on what it means when we talk about, you know, the things we rely on or the things that we put our faith in. It says in Zechariah chapter 4 and 6, Then he answered and spoke to me, saying, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. And I think this is really a big area for all of us, is that, we have to put our, our belief and our faith in the Lord. You know, it is by His Spirit. And sometimes, you know, when we're too acquainted with the things that we can do, the things that others can do, we begin to put our faith in those things, whether for good or for bad. You know, it's possible to put your, it's possible to put your faith in the fact that, you know, there are bad people out there. And so it prevents you from doing this or doing that. And I think that's a detriment because you're putting your faith, oh, this system is corrupt, so I'll never be able to do this. That's you putting your faith in something instead of putting your faith in God and realizing that all things are possible with him. And it's interesting that when God spoke to um, that Christian man, Ananias, in verse chapter 10, that he told him Saul's vision. I think that's really a powerful aspect because a lot of times we think we have to plead our case with others. And here we have God talking to Ananias, who <laughs> rightfully should be a little bit skeptical of Paul, because Paul has this history um, of, of hurting Christians, uh, believers. And so this scripture offers us a rare glimpse into how God orchestrates the performance of miracles and visions and how he works in our lives and in the lives of others. We see God working on both sides of the vision, recruiting a man named Ananias and showing Paul one side of this vision. I think that's really powerful. Let's look at it in Acts chapter 9 and 10. It says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. So God was fulfilling the details of the vision that he had given to Paul. And sometimes in a crisis, we want to know what to do, um, but God is going to give us that answer just a little bit later. And sometimes we have to be still in that period of blindness. What do you do when you don't know what to do? This is exactly where Paul is at. And how do we know this? We know this because when Christ was speaking to Paul on the Damascus road, Paul said, Lord, what must I do? And we can see that in verse 6. And so I want to ask you, have you ever asked 
God, Lord, what do I do? Have you ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what to do? Well, I think the Damascus Road question is very unique because Christ tells Paul that he is persecuting him. And Paul's reply was, what do you want me to do? Or what do I do, essentially? It's curious to me because I think if it were me and the Lord said, you're persecuting me, I would say sorry or, you know, something like, Lord, forgive me. But Paul said, what do you want me to do? So that that left me with questions. Why did Paul ask? Why did he ask, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to tell you why. Because he understood the law of repentance and atonement. Repentance is not just the act of seeking forgiveness. It is to turn completely from them. It's a reversal. So Paul needed to know what is the reversal of hurting followers of the way, of persecuting the Lord. Additionally, if you can remember, the law was specific about atonement or reparations. You had to restore what was lost plus one-fifth more. And remember, Paul is like this great teacher of the law. He's a Pharisee, so he's a very learned man. So he understands that if you're doing something or you've done something wrong and you're seeking to atone or provide reparations, you don't just give back what was taken. You give back that and one-fifth more. So sorry wasn't good enough. And Paul, like I said, a scholar of the law, he knew that if he had done something wrong to this group of people, he had to restore what was taken and add a fifth more. Hence, when Christ told him, hey, you are persecuting me, Paul's response was one of the most genuine evidences of contrition and repentance that we've ever seen in the Bible. He didn't just say, I'm sorry or forgive me. He said, what do I do? Basically, what do I do to make this right? And I want to ask you that. Have you ever done something that you knew wasn't right? Have you ever tried to make it right? Let's go ahead and look at Acts chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. So that also leaves me with more questions. Why didn't God just tell him what to do then? Why did he need to send him blind into the city to learn what to do? Why doesn't God just give us the answers when we need them and when we ask him? See, Paul was obedient, but still God did not answer his question immediately. And I think sometimes we believe that if we're obedient, God will just answer our prayers immediately. We can just ask and all of a sudden we have all of the answers. But here we see that Paul now determined to repent, to provide reparations, to turn his way around, now says, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord tells him, go and I'll show you what to do. So he hasn't really answered his question. And so I think it's important for us to know that sometimes we might be in a crisis and we don't know what to do. And we keep asking God for direction, but it seems that you know, nothing is happening. We're not getting an answer. We don't know which way to go. And this could be the time when we're learning to walk by faith and not by sight. That we are trusting that God will lead us by faith into the truth of what the situation requires. And that is why I say truth is so important. And that is why I say we have to learn to live by faith and not by sight. And that's a very difficult thing to do if we're all honest. Living by faith is difficult. Living by the Spirit 
So I want to encourage you to take the time sometimes when you're not getting an answer. Don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. That could be the time when God wants to teach you how to walk by the Spirit and how to live by the Spirit and walk by faith. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that this has blessed you. I hope you'll take a time to read Acts chapter 9. Just go ahead and read from verse 1 till verse 15 or 20. Um, and let it bless you and think about the ways that God may be speaking to you. Can you get still so that you can become sharp with that inner vision? Sometimes we're so busy looking at things and the way things are in the world and what we know and the powers that be that we don't understand that there's something greater than that. It's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by His Spirit. There is nothing too great for God to accomplish. I don't care how long it's been going on, 400 years, 500, 1,000, it can still be changed. So guys, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. Bye.